On this morning's show, we are joined by Andrew Sullivan, the founder of Asian Market Sense. Oh, actually, Andrew's not yet online. So at the moment, we're joined just by Mark Toh, who is Managing Director of Asian of Asset Management at Wung Fung Financial Group. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. So it uh, looks like it's just you and me for now. So hope you <laughs> are good at answering, uh, spending a lot of time answering questions. Um, Let's start by the fact that we've seen weaker-than-expected PPI numbers in the U.S., and that's combined with the uh, continued deflation in China. So whilst last year's theme was all about inflation, are we going to see a theme this year that's mainly about deflation? Well, uh, I tend to think that, uh, of course, uh, the last few years it is exactly about inflation, and actually it is a dominating factor in the decision-making for the Fed officials and other uh, central bankers. Uh, but I think, um, according to the past few months, if not quarters, uh, actually some kind of a downtrend it has been established. And that's why you can see that uh, the Fed officials are confident uh, that they can uh, allow the inflation to uh, keep on uh, edging down. Uh, on its own pace without further intervention, without further uh, tightening. I think that's exactly what they meant by uh, sufficient restrictiveness. And that's why they can have the pausing for a few times. But uh, I tend to think that there is a very huge gap uh, in expectations between market participants and the central bankers because, of course, the market participants, granted, they they, they would like to have the rate cuts as soon as possible, uh, assuming other factors are, are held constant because it helps to, to increase the uh, risk access uh, price uh, valuations. Uh, but we all know that uh, according to, to the Fed speak, uh, especially since last uh, December, uh, a lot of um, those data, uh, according to these uh, central bankers, the, the ter- current data uh, didn't support didn't support uh, the, the the rate cuts anytime soon. Uh, the only uh, reliable conclusion uh, that they can draw is uh, to pause, and that's all. So I think um, basically the theme is um, uh, uh, on the one hand it is at disinflation uh, if you use the terminology by uh, Fed Chair Powell, and also it is also about uh, how the two uh, the market participants and the central bankers are going to have the tug of war uh, to have then uh, have that kind of back and forth expectations uh, changing all the time and they have to uh, narrow down the expectations uh, and that somehow. I think will um, I mean the the asset prices uh, in a variety of asset cl- classes they will have a range bound trading instead of a, a, an overwhelming uptrend or downtrend. You met, I mean you covered quite a lot over there, but you mentioned about the Fed. They've been pretty adamant about the fact that they're going to stick to current rates as they are. Um, we did. I mean, while I talked about the PPI numbers being a little bit weaker. The CPI numbers were actually better, uh, stronger than expected in the US. So that obviously gives less fuel to the fire of rate cuts. But at the same time, the market seems desperate to have rate cuts. So do you actually think there will be rate cuts this year? And if so, when do you reckon they will happen? 
Yeah, uh, the, the the point you raise is uh, very, very important. We, we see the inconsistency between uh, CPI and PPI data. Although it is only one data point, uh, it is not exactly a, lo- uh, a very reliable indicator for the medium to long term. But we can also see that uh, there is still a far, far way uh, for, for a very long distance between uh, the, the, the 2% target rate and, and, and the current uh, inflation rate. Uh, so I, I think um, it takes time. So uh, somehow I think uh, there will be there will be uh, rate cuts, but not as soon as maybe March, uh, according to some people who are very eager to to have rate cuts. But on the other hand, I don't think that there will be no rate cut, especially uh, by the end of this year. So it is somehow in between, and that makes uh, the whole thing uh, a little bit tricky for for the traders. And I, I think uh, as we approach, uh, we are currently in in the sufficient restrictiveness uh, region. Uh, so the central bankers have to be very data dependent because they they are after all they are they are just technocrats. They they have to base their decisions on the data, and uh, especially because inflation is no longer the only single dominating factor. They have to balance the the different variables variety of uh, uh, factors. So uh, at this moment, I think it is some, something in between, maybe uh, around mid of the uh, mid of uh, uh, 2024. Uh, that, that, that should be the appropriate time to start maybe uh, one uh, rate cut and they can still uh, change, change the course. But of course, uh, it is a little bit difficult for them to change. Uh, so I think maybe somewhere in between. What's going to drive the rate cuts? I mean, I know everyone says there's going to be rate cuts, and that's just purely on the basis that over the last, say, 15, 20 years, we've had very low interest rates. But if you take the 50 years or 60 years prior to that, we've had, I mean, 5% would have been considered a relatively low hit interest rate in the past. Now, you could say different dynamics, we're targeting lower inflation, et cetera, et cetera. But is there really the need for a rate cut? I mean, if the numbers stay stable, you know, economic growth is a relatively healthy, say, 3 3.5%. Inflation is roughly at about 2 2.5%. Why would they need to rate? Why would they need to cut rates? Why don't they just leave rates as they are and just keep things stable? Yeah, uh, I think they can keep the things as, the, uh, as stable as possible for, a long, uh, for as long as they would like. And uh, I, I agree with you. Actually, the, the current data, the economy is uh, just like the Goldilocks. Uh, you may have the soft landing. You don't, you have a strong labor market. Uh, the consumer confidence is very good and uh, you, you have the inflation tamed. So uh, overall speaking, actually, the central bankers do, do not have to do much. Uh, but of course, we, we are forward looking, especially the traders, the investors, the market participants. So somehow the market forces may, um, uh, somehow uh, have that kind of a power, but of course, according to the past few past few, past few years' experience, uh, the the Fed officials uh, they may have to listen to the market, but they don't they don't have to entertain us. Uh, so uh, I just play safe. Maybe uh, just uh, by by middle of uh, of of this year, but. Uh, actually, I think the the rationale uh, or the, the the ground there is no sufficient ground for a very immediate run uh, rate cut uh, anytime soon. Okay, well let's move on to home, and um, we had Paul Chan over the weekend or yesterday stating that Hong Kong remains the ideal financial international financial center. Yet again, over the last year, we've seen. I mean, we haven't necessarily seen outflows because there has been inflows, but a lot of it's gone into deposits, I guess, with the higher rates. Um, What's going to drive Hong Kong to get back to its status as a true international financial centre? 
Well, uh, it takes time and uh, maybe some good fortune, and uh, a lot of uh, factors have to be have to be ready in place and to be at play uh, because. You, you you can see that Hong Kong is uh, actually a, a middleman. It takes the role of a middleman for for hundreds of years, and um, it is very important uh, in a free trade. Uh, uh, you, you know the environment it facilitates uh, everyone to have the uh, mutual beneficial exchanges at, at all size. But uh, currently, uh, especially after the financial tsunami, you can see that you can sense that the uh, the increase in uh, wealth disparity somehow, uh, no matter how you measure it, uh, it means uh, the the increase uh, geopolitical tensions uh, and also some kind of, uh, some kind of a uh, I, I don't I don't think it is blockage, but uh, it, some some kind of limitations uh, on the free trade, and that is not good for for Hong Kong. So. Uh, it is a big picture. Uh, Hong Kong cannot do much, uh, no matter how the government uh, would like to take the preemptive or uh, the proactive role. Uh, so hum- somehow, I think it is, after all, uh, the market participants, the, 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 uh, the normal c- citizens, the ordinary people, they have to take the initiative um, uh, on, on their own hand. And uh, it is exactly what has been for, for the past 100 years. Uh, and I, I think free uh, free market, uh, the, the capitalism system uh, is exactly uh, driven by individuals uh, with uh, their own incentives rather than uh, directed by the, uh, by the government. Well, we lost a lot of talent and they've seemed to have flown uh, or moved overseas. So is the talent there left over that can drive that? It is not easy. It's not easy to uh, to attract them back to to uh, because because they they all, all these uh, labor mobility is uh, is uh, somehow uh, you you can say that it depends on a, a lot of factors. Once uh, the decision has been made, uh, somehow there, there's a, a you know some kind of inertia to to change it again and again. And um, for for those uh, talent to, to, to pull. Uh, actually have been uh, narrowed down, depleted, somehow some kind of uh, brain drain, no doubt about. And uh, at, at this moment, I tend to think that it is a little bit difficult because the whole, the, the big picture, uh, as I said, it, it is not favorable and it is not exactly because uh, uh, Hong Kong people or Hong Kong government uh, uh, does, not, uh, does, or, uh, does not do, do something, uh, but it's because of some bigger picture that we, we cannot have uh, uh, much to do. We talk about the bigger picture, and there is a global feeling that Hong Kong is purely reliant on China, and the Chinese economic data over the last year has been weak, and it looks like it's going to continue to be weak. So does that, does that continue to put a dampener over here? Or I know the government's talking more about international business and keeps talking about getting more international business. Can they drive that without China actually starting to pick up? Well, uh, that's part of the, the, the question that, that, that made me uh, a little bit uh, cautious, uh, if not uh, exactly cautious, cautiously optimistic, uh, because um, we used to be uh, highly dependent on the mainland Chinese uh, economy. And actually, the whole world uh, has been depending on it. And the growth engine, uh, even the U.S. economy or, or even uh, the U.S. inflation, how, how it fare, uh, whether it can have a, a deflation or disinflation, somehow depends on it. Uh, so I think, uh, at least for, for the Chinese economy, because of the past 
uh, four decades, it has been growing very fast. And somehow it is not just uh, uh, not just about uh, cheap labor, land, not exactly about this, but because of the change in the uh, the system, the economic system, uh, and that uh, uh, promoted a lot of uh, uh, incentives for, for the people. And that kind of uh, institutional change or structural change it cannot happen again. It is a historical episode. So uh, I think that uh, right now we are just some kind of mean reversion uh, back to the normal rate of uh, growth. And it is not easy to, to resume that kind of uh, growth engine, no matter how hard we try or, or the uh, many Chinese people, authorities are going to do. But of course, um, there will be some kind of... Uh, uh, some kind of pain, but overall speaking, I tend to be a little bit more than optimistic because according to the past few years or according to past uh, 10 years or so, I, I think the people that actually uh, have uh, quite a lot of talents uh, and they, they know the environment, uh, they just try to uh, maximize their returns, expected returns uh, subject to the risk. So um, it takes time, uh, but I, I tend to think that it is not easy for us to uh, depend uh, on the mainland Chinese economy to have the growth engine uh, for, for the Hong Kong economy at, at this very moment. Well, we... You talk about uh, the growth of China. We've got the China GDP uh, numbers coming up this week. President Xi Jinping has been talking about the fact he's going to concentrate on the economy this year. So what are you expecting out of the GDP figures and then what do we expect forward-looking? Well, it may be uh, one of the hardest questions because, uh, you know, uh, the structural change, especially because um, uh, you have uh, the, the weak uh, uh, in, internal uh, in, in, internal growth uh, in in terms of the consumption, and uh, there has been for for uh, maybe twenty years uh, where the uh, infrastructural uh, investment uh, actually is some kind of a there is some kind of wastage in in the social socially optimal uh, point of view. So it is not easy. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I have mentioned the word not easy for for, for the whole day, uh, but it is true. And and uh, right now, I, I think uh, they're trying to uh, meet the target. But uh, assuming uh, I'm just uh, an ordinary uh, citizen in, in mainland China, I, was, I, I would tend to think that even though it doesn't meet any target, it may be good. It may be good because we know that we know the true picture. We know the, the overall situation by uh, bits and uh, bytes of the information, not exactly by the statistics not exactly by the bureaus, but by our own uh, buying and selling experiences. So I, I think it is it is still okay if um, there is some uh, lower lower than expected uh, numbers. It, it will be okay. All right. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Uh, that was Mark Toh, who is Managing Director of Asset Management at Wingfeng Financial Group.